As we look to God's Word this morning, I, I just want to acknowledge that I hate money. I hate it. Uh, not so much like having it or not having it, but what it makes us think. What it makes us think. When, uh, and how it affects uh, our decisions. Sometimes around here, uh, we, we do this thing, and it's, it's awful. It's awful where we say, uh, what should we do? And the first question we ask is, well, how much money do we have? Or how much is it going to cost? And we somehow connect first how much money we have or how much it's going to cost. And second, whether God wants us to do it. Uh, and that's a bad way of doing things, by the way. It's bad. Uh, I, I realize that sometimes God leads us by not providing for things that we want or shouldn't do, but at the same time, if we start with the premise that uh, only the things that we can see we should do and take steps towards, I think that's a bad way of doing things. Uh, I, hate, uh, I hate money because um, sometimes it, it causes us to choose this thing over that thing, and uh, when we think through... Uh, Sometimes it's hard to choose between two things, two good things. And uh, the idea of helping and, and being with people and blessing people when you have to choose one over the other. I, I hate that. I hate that, uh, that feeling that it brings up in me of one over the other and uh, makes, makes me sometimes feel cheap inside. And th this idea that I... Uh, I want to hold back and I want to save for myself or I, I somehow um, want more than God has provided. Um, when I was in college, actually it was my senior year of high school and then again in college, uh, I had to study economics and they talked about the allocation of scarce resources and um, and I remember going through that, the idea of making decisions about something that you don't have an unlimited supply of, uh, that is money. And um, in our minds, there's never enough. There's never enough. Some of you are struggling with that this morning, maybe even as I. Uh, there's just never enough. And there's too many needs. Um, and yet uh, our struggles, our struggles of trying to allocate the resources that God has blessed us with. Um, this morning we are going to be talking about money. Um, <clears throat> I want to tell you, just give you a brief overview of our church finances. Brandon's here and he knows them well. Uh, we're doing great, doing great. Um, God's blessed the church. Uh, we are close to making our budget for this year and... Uh, we assume that that will happen uh, in the months to come. Uh, you know, we don't have needs that uh, we feel haven't been met. We have projects on the horizon of carpet and various other things, and the Lord seems to be providing for those things as well. I spoke to a man a couple weeks ago, and he shared that he wants to participate in helping with the uh, redoing of our parking lot and various other things and just things that are happening. And so this morning, I, most of you know this, if you're just visiting here, maybe you don't, uh, we just kind of plow through the scriptures. And so this is just the next passage. We aren't doing this because 
we are in some kind of financial need. Uh, uh, I, if we are, I will talk about that as well. I'll share that with you just as we would in any family. Um, this morning, I, I just want to tell you by way of introduction that the Bible speaks a lot about money. Uh, this is just one passage, and it really handles one issue uh, when it comes to money. But if you're uh, wondering what the Bible has to say about money, there's, there's much you can read about and study in the Scripture. Um, this is just one simple message regarding that. If you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you from Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> really... Um, some would say this, is, this passage is the reason that he wrote this book. <clears throat> We're going to be starting at verse 14, chapter 4, verse 14. God's Word says this, Yet it was kind of you to share uh, my trouble. And, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. <laughs> Even in Thessalonica, you sent uh, me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply uh, every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. God, we're grateful for your word. We ask that you would teach us now. Help us to be humble and gracious, always depending on your forgiveness and kindness to us. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> this morning as we, we look to God's Word, um, by the way, we already took the offering. We already took the offering. This won't be a, we won't do a round two or anything like that <laughs> in response. Uh, <clears throat> Verse 14, we see the Philippian givers. Philippian givers. And if, you can, uh, if you've been with us, you realize that Paul is uh, imprisoned, if you will, in Rome, and probably under house arrest or in jail. We don't know exactly where he is as he's sharing this. He's not free to go and do. Um, he is sending this to a church at Philippi, which he has visited a couple of times, and he helped establish that they came to faith and they became a church. And so he's writing them a letter and as I said in the intro, this is probably the reason, like the occasion, if you will, of writing this letter. He's sending them a thank you for a gift that has been sent. Um, the gift that has been sent was probably a bag of money. It was probably just simply a bag of money. Um, and so with that in mind, uh, we see this morning uh, the Philippian givers, verse 14. He starts out and he says, yet it was kind for you to share in my trouble. It's kind. Um, that's the whole thing I was sharing with you earlier. When you see needs, uh, they had heard it wasn't something that Paul posted on Facebook that had some trouble here in Rome. But over time and messages back and forth, they realized 
that Paul had been imprisoned and that he was in trouble. He was in trouble. And RJ shared last week that uh, being in prison, there wasn't a sense of the government now takes care of you. It was quite the opposite. It was if your family and friends don't take care of you, uh, you will die. You will not have food. You will not have clothing. Uh, so this gift, uh, he, he sees it as kind compassion that they had on him in his trouble. And it, it brings up these pictures in my mind of how do you hear about others' problems? What do, you, what do you hear? When you hear that other people are going through a difficult time, what do you do? What do you do? How do you respond? Uh, are, are you one that goes, oh man, that makes me so sad that they're having a problem. That, that's really a beginning, by the way. Uh, some of us struggle and we, we have this idea, we hear someone who's like, Glad it's not me. Glad it's not me. Not my problem. Paul should have thought about that before he went and did those sort of things. And, you know, Paul's been known. Like, you'd think he would learn, right? Even when he was here at Philippi, he was that guy, right? He got in trouble all the time. Why does Paul never learn? Uh, maybe he'll learn his lesson this time and he won't be in trouble so much. No, uh, he looked upon this, and really the church at Philippi looked upon this, as Paul's trouble is our trouble. It's our trouble. We're, we're, we're with him. We're with him. We, it, as, as he hurts, so do we hurt. Um, and so they, they, they saw that as their opportunity. In fact, as you put this together, uh, you saw the need for Paul, that Paul had needs because he was in trouble and that they sent a gift that was their way of sharing in that problem with them. And I just want to say this. We'll talk about it again at the end. Um, that's the way we should be thinking. That's the way we should be thinking. It doesn't matter uh, how far away someone is. And in, in personal ways... Like, you don't have to announce it or anything. If you know someone who's in trouble and you think a gift of money would help them, go, do. Ha make it happen. Make it happen. Um, I can think of times here at this church that we did that. We did that. We gathered. We took an offering. We sent it. Just like the church at Philippi. We, we thought that this is what God wanted us to do, and so we did it. So we did it. And that's not greatness to us. We were just sharing as a family shares in the trouble of another. And so Paul acknowledges their kindness to him. Um, as you think about this this morning, um, that's what money's meant for. That's what you should do with money. It's be kind with it. As God has blessed you, as you have it, as you look at it in your hand or in your bank account or however you see it, he has blessed you with that so that you could be an extension of his kindness uh, to those who are a part of us. In verse 15 it says, And you Philippians yourselves know that at the beginning of the gospel, when I left, the Mace when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in the giving and receiving except you only. Key word there? Partnership, partnership, that you get this thing 
And, and I love it. I love it. This idea of being partners. We get pictures of like teams. Uh, you know, maybe a, a, a team where your partners in tennis or your partners, you know, a, a pitcher and a catcher, you work together for a common goal. But even greater, uh, the idea of, I, I think of like policemen who work together, they're partners, they, they sit in the same car and they work together and they, they watch out for one another as they're working for a goal. Uh, maybe a greater and more, more appropriate the idea of a business, a business, that we are partners, that we work together for a common goal to build the business. What he's talking about here is the partnership of the gospel, that as uh, he had gone to Philippi, it's kind of interesting that uh, if you study from the book of Acts, his first going to Philippi, you can picture that there wasn't a church there. Maybe two or three believers. We don't know how many. And uh, as he shared the gospel, shared about Jesus, Jesus dying for sinners and granting new life to those who trusted him, that as he shared that message, he had two or three partners with him, maybe more. And as he, they shared that message, they came to faith. And you know what happened? They went from being outside the family of God to inside the family of God. You know what they went? They went from being kind of uh, ones who didn't know anything to partners in the gospel. They joined the team. I love that. I love that. They, they now went from being kind of the, the message receivers, the ones who didn't know, to now they're partners in sharing this same message. Partnership. And, and this is the design of the gospel. Uh, as we come together here, we are wanting to be partners in the gospel ministry here in Tehachapi. This is what we want to be about. And this idea of partners is that we're all working together. It's interesting, as you think about the scripture, sounds great, Leah. Sounds great. Great to have you. It's awesome. Pumped. Praising God. Um, uh, as, as we think about the scriptures, there's different times. I think of the book of Nehemiah where they're working on the wall and it talks about them side by side by side by side by side. And uh, it wasn't on their wall. It wasn't on th- this idea that we just thought it would be nice to keep the bad folks out. It was an issue of the worship of God. It was God's wall for God's temple, for the protection of his people as they worshiped. And so you have this picture of working side by side, this partnership. And I want to tell you that my desire for Bear Valley Church is that you would see yourself as a partner in the gospel ministry here in this place. But even if you think about the different things that you see going on here, uh, that you cheer for the women's ministry as they meet on Wednesday, and you hear this new home group that's happening in town, and you're like, you're like, I'm not going to that thing, but I hope it goes great. I'm praying for God's blessing and that more people would understand about God. And then you see these kids up here, and you go, glad they're not in my house. I'm glad they're not in my house, but boy, am I excited, and I pray for them. When you see our youth taking off and you, you see, you know, maybe they look a little scroungy or whatever and uh, you forget how you looked when you were that age. Uh, 
But, but as you look at them and you look upon them, you're praying and you're excited and you go, why? Because I'm a partner with what God's doing in the church. And so this idea that, uh, you know, as we sent the team to Indonesia is interesting. Uh, we, we took an offering and we weren't real organized in doing so. And some of you forgot and we forgot to send out. The, the amount that came in were the plane tickets. I mean, it was within $100 or something like that. It just God just provided. I didn't have to figure that out. God could figure that out. Uh, he knows. And, and this idea, think this through with me, please, that, that as we partner, we're going to play different roles. And as we uh, rejoice at what God was doing in Philippians, in Philippi, they came back with a gift for Paul that he could continue even writing and doing different things while he was in prison and the gospel going out. And he says, we are partners. We are partners. Um, I want to encourage you to think of yourself as a partner here at Bear Valley Church. Partner. I don't attend. I partner with those people. Well, what role do you play? Well, I play a lot of different roles. Try to encourage people on Sunday morning. I'm looking for people to encourage. I, I need to talk. I, I have a group of 10 people that I, when I'm going to church, i got to see these people and see how they're doing. I, I think through, I, I participate in the women's ministry, or I go to this home group, or I you know, help out with the youth and um, giving. God's blessed me. And so when I hear of a need, I give. I give because that's what he has me for. I'm a partner in that place. Talks about the partnership of the gospel. And, and, and I, want, I want you to get this partnership in the gospel. Um, most businesses, uh, you know, sometimes when you become a partner in a business, they put your name on the door. I, I want to encourage you nobody's name is going to be put on the door of Bear Valley Church. It's not going to be Stone and Bosler Church, okay? It's not going to be that. It's not going to be that. Uh, it, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about what God is doing here in this place. We're workers in his business. We partner with one another. We work together for his glory. Uh, that really summarizes this, this section right here. Um, partnership in the gospel. Uh, you, you see this too. Uh, Verse 16, it says, even in Thessalonica, you sent help for my needs once and again. It meant uh, repeatedly. This wasn't something that was a one-time gift. It was probably a sacrificial gift that they go, I hope this is enough. And tell me if you need more. We'll send more. We'll send more. Um, That should be our attitude as we see people in need is say, "Here's, here's a starter gift right here. If you need more, tell us. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. As God blesses, we're with you because we're partners. Um, once again, um, stuff costs money, right? Stuff costs money. I know often uh, we want to say, well, let's just all do it for free. Let's just, you know, wh- wh- why does it cost so much to run a church? Why, why do missions cost so much? Why, you know, can't they do it for cheaper? I'm game if they're game, you know. 
But stuff costs money. Uh, you know, we do get special favors from people from time to time because they acknowledge that this is the work of God. But, you know, we, we pay the electric bill just like anybody else does, right? Everyone's family, it's all the same. And so uh, the idea of saying that, you know, this is, you know, what you have a Bible and we can all pray. Praying doesn't cost anything. And so uh, just to know that stuff costs money and to remember that. It's interesting in Ecclesiastes, uh, some of you remember when we went over this, Ecclesiastes is an interesting book that speaks about money from time to time. And we assume that it was written by Solomon, having all the money that you could ever imagine. And uh, he, as part of that, uh, in chapter 10, it says, Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens the heart, and money answers everything. I want to encourage you, if you don't know how to bless somebody, they're going through a tough time, Send them some money. Send them some money. I know that sounds like uh, if you, some of you say, well, I, I can't fix it with money. You probably can't. You probably can't. But you might be able to lessen the blow. You might be able to f- represent to someone uh, in a tangible way that you're with them. You're with them. So I'd encourage you if God has blessed you to do so. We get to verse 17, and uh, we see the Philippian fruit, the Philippian fruit. Uh, Paul says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. This verse stands in the midst of this as the heart of the lesson for us. Um, when, when Paul talks about money, imprisoned, writing, there's, there's a sense where you're wondering, eh, do you need more? Are you asking for more? And Paul says, no, I'm not asking for more. Um, Last week, RJ preached on the passage of contentment. And really the secret to contentment is what? To understand your riches in Jesus Christ. It's to understand that every time, every day, in every situation, you are rich. And so to understand that, even if you don't have any money, even if you don't have any food, even if your health is poor, uh, you are rich because of Jesus if you, have, if you know and trust him. And so Paul says, not that I seek the gift, not that I seek the gift. He's even going to say later that he has enough. He has enough. Not that I seek the gift. That sounds odd for a missionary or a pastor to saying, I don't need any money, Right? I don't need any money. In fact, uh, you know, pastors, missionaries are known, are known to, to need money, to want money, and to, uh, to call on that. And Paul says, no, it's not that I seek the gift. The important part of giving is not the money. It's not the money. Paul says this, he says, uh, it's not more money, it's not a ploy for that, but what is it? But I seek the fruit. I seek the fruit. Uh, why do you have fruit trees? Futility, right? Futility. For the deer, yeah. 
you love deer, and so you have fruit trees. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, the deer in our garden uh, are just going from one thing to another, and it's kind of like going to the refrigerator. You, you eat the good stuff first, and then you move down, and they're on tomatoes now. So, uh, uh, but. Uh, you know why you plant things, right? You, you plant to get, to get. And it, uh, it, it's so exciting when you get stuff off your trees or stuff off your bushes that you've planted. It's so exciting. And if a tree, you know, if it doesn't produce anything, uh, you might give it a year, give it two years, three years. If it doesn't produce anything or it produces bad fruit, Eventually, you're going to get tired of it. You say, forget it. Forget it. I don't want it anymore. Throw it in the fire, right? Chop it down. Water's too precious to waste on this dumb tree. What does Paul say? He says, I'm, I'm wanting in your life the fruit that is produced by your giving. As you give, I, I, I want, I'm wanting for you that fruit in your life. And it's interesting, it doesn't say much more than that here. It's a, it really mixes metaphors. He says fruit, and then he says uh, to your credit. It goes from the, the farmer, rancher, uh, guy who owns an orchard, goes from that guy to the banker, accountant, right? It, it connects the two real quickly, and he says there's a credit to your account, there's a blessing that comes. And I want to be clear with you. I do not believe that um, you get rich by giving. If you give $10, just, you know, God's guaranteeing that you'll have 100 later, right? It's not like this investment program that the more you give, the more you get. That's a health wealth gospel. You know what's going to happen if you give $10 and you look at your bank account? It's going to be $10 less. High math here, okay? High math. And if you give more, there'll be less in your account, okay? But this is what I want you to get. Paul says it's good. It's good. There will be fruit that will be a blessing in your life, and it will go to your credit. It's not talking about a bank account here. It's talking about the spiritual account that you have, the blessings that will come to your life. Paul says, uh, you know, I, I, I don't seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that will increase to your credit, the blessings that will come upon your life. And then lastly, in verse uh, 18, we see the Philippian fullness, how they were the ones who filled Paul up, okay? They met a need. Paul says this, I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied. I'm well supplied. Um, It's interesting that uh, I think about in the scriptures and Jesus met with the rich young ruler, rich young ruler. And I thought of a great title if I ever get to preach that message again. Uh, Everyone calls it the rich young ruler. Uh, Could just as easily be called the poor dead slave. The poor dead slave, because that's what he was spiritually. 
We, we see the rich young ruler. We see what's on the outside. But on the inside, he was empty, dead, enslaved. Paul looks at this payment, and obviously, Paul still had needs. This is so hard for us to get. Uh, they sent the gift. Paul's saying, I have everything I need. I feel abundant and all this stuff. And he says, oh, so you're not in prison anymore. You're in the big house. You're not the big house, but you're in your own big house, right? Uh, with carpet and stuff like that, flushing toilets. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you, you, you're in a good place. And Paul hasn't changed places. Uh, he, he saw himself as different. And he saw the connection that he had with the Philippian church as a blessing to him. And it caused him to see himself as full payment and more and well supplied. He speaks of Epaphroditus, and earlier in the chapter, or in the book, we, we looked at Epaphroditus, and he was one that most likely was the guy who held the bag of money and brought it to him, and now, after some sickness and ministry, now he was probably going back with this letter to share with them. He was a servant, and what was, what was his partnership, his role was? Guarding the bag of money, Right? Bringing the letter, bringing greetings, and uh, the story of what's going on with Paul. Epaphroditus was a partner in the ministry. In verse 18 in the middle, it says, uh, Having received uh, Epaphrodite, from Epaphroditus the, the gift you sent, he says this, A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. He now moves from the fruit and the accounting to describe this gift of money, gift of money, as worship, as worship. You get some of these uh, a fragrant offering. Uh, many of you know in the Old Testament, uh, as part of the, the sacrifices, the burnt offerings, they would say, and through the books, Genesis, Leviticus, and Exodus, I believe as well, they would say as they made these offerings, it would, it would go up and it was a pleasing aroma to the Lord. A pleasing aroma to the Lord. M most of us know about that, that, the idea of something smelling pleasing. Walk into a house and a candle is being, you know, uh, lit and it fills the fills the, uh, the home, or maybe it's something that's baking or cooking, or, um, you know, you walk through a neighborhood and you say, oh, someone's barbecuing. <laughs> Wish I knew who it was. <laughs> Didn't get the invite. Uh, um, we smell that, and it's this aroma that, that smells of goodness, and, and this picture is this. It's that this aroma of their offering the sacrifice that they brought, that it was, it, it smelled good. And, and, and this is the important part. I, I want you to get this. Paul's saying, it's not that it smelled good to me. It's not that it even smelled good to you. But that it smelled good to the Lord. That, that it was something that rose before him and God was pleased. God was pleased. I want to remind you that the word sacrifice is in there. Sacrifice. I want to tell you again, 
If you give $100, if you give $100, it won't be in your account anymore. It'll be gone. You might even say it's wasted. It's wasted. It, uh, as they did a burnt sacrifice, they, they had a visible picture of something being burnt and no longer, the life was no longer in the animal and the animal was burnt up and gone. It seems wasted in our mind, but it's not when it's worship. And then acceptable and pleasing to God. Always as we give and as we uh, serve, it's not about whether people respond. It's that God finds it acceptable and pleasing to himself. A few things to remember as we close our time this morning. I want to encourage you to remember uh, gifts in the midst of trouble. Gifts in the midst of trouble. Uh, there's a response. The Philippian church knew that Paul was in trouble, gifted him. They gifted him. They, they probably wanted to do more. They probably, they, they, we know that they wanted to be with him, but instead they sent gifts in, in the midst of trouble. Secondly, to always see uh, your life as partner in the gospel work. Partner in the gospel work. Um, I got to share with the men uh, yesterday and even uh, middle schoolers on Thursday the beauty of Christ loved the church. Christ loved the church. And if Christ loved the church and continues his work in the church, this is what we should love as well. Our heart next to his. And this idea that we see ourselves as partners in the gospel work in his church. And then lastly, uh, when you're doing the accounting of all that you have, all that you have, I want to encourage you to dwell upon your riches in Jesus Christ. Dwell upon your riches in Jesus Christ. You may not have a lot of money. You may uh, be in the negative, right? You may not have health and you may not have bunches of people around. Like You may feel in different areas of your life like you're a beggar. But if you dwell upon your riches in Jesus Christ, you will never feel like a poor person. You'll never feel like a poor person because of the overwhelming riches of Jesus. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. And God, I ask that you do your work in your church. And this pastor first and as the rest of us as we struggle through how to view money and how to be partners in your gospel ministry and um, how to view the riches that you blessed us with in Jesus. And God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time, the uh, great things that are going on here. Um, we're so thankful that you are God and that we can be your people. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. We'll hope to see you next week.